The views expressed on the International Internet Strangers podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the United Kingdom, the United States, their respective societies for the prevention of cruelty to animals, or postal services. All right, so let's go on to track six. Um, this this is where all the controversy. The last time I really revisited this, this is where it all came in. Is Depeche Mode? Enjoy the silence. Seven inch version, in case you're used to the the album one. So one of the reasons I'm very happy about the format of the show, the way we did this, we took a little break so we didn't have to go right from pool shark into enjoy the silence. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I, this last week, I, as I've been listening to the, to this disc one playlist, I've just been like, I really want to just take this whole thing, both discs reorder the entire thing. Like, uh, see, not necessarily the, the, like switch out any songs, but just like fix the sequencing. Yeah, it's uh, it's the the beauty of retrospect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and plus, it's it's also being able to sit at a desk with the headphones on and and move it because I didn't have that privilege the first time. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of had to put it all together in my head and add up the the track lengths and everything. And I can't imagine that your your friends that you subcontracted to would uh, <laughs> would turn around and be like, "Hey, the order on this is a bit dodgy." You know? are, are you sure you want to go into the the sad acoustic uh, solo number? Right? You, you sure you want it to go bomb right after that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Aside from the order, obviously, absolute classic song. Oh, for sure. Um. The, it's it's funny the way that it uh, sits when I uh, my friend and I kind of did this uh, my friend Tamara a few years ago um, I made her a copy of this and a new mix and I don't have all of my liner notes from that re-release if we're gonna call it that um, but I do have some of them and for for this uh, 154. I see stronger feet. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I was not kind to myself about the, the song selection or its placement. Um, yeah. So it looks like, uh, enjoy the science was chosen cause it, it fit like timing wise. Mm. Um, uh, and then I had a subsection says, would I do it again? Apparently not. 
I was listening uh, while writing this and kept having to start over while I was writing up Pool Shark because I just didn't want to listen to this song. <laughs> Maybe if I'd originally picked one of the other songs, I'd stick with it. But the way things are, if I uh, did it over, there would be no Depeche Mode at all. Interesting. So that was my 2013 opinion. Mm-hmm. Do you still stand by that? I'm, I'm not sure because th- this, and again, this is uh, an album I got from the BMG Record Club. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, uh, singles 86 to 98. Uh, is is what I what I got, and it is. I spent so much time listening to it's two discs, like it's a big collection, and uh, and it was where I was, man. It was dark, it was sad, it was horny, it was weird and electronic. Mm. It's looking at the playlist. This is the only really electronic thing on here. This uh, I guess scapegoat, uh, which is the end of this disc, and then oh, the Deftones track is kind of. Uh, on the next disc, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a thing I definitely was into for a long time. And now I, I tend to think electronic music, that's my brother's jam. If there's, <laughs> uh, cause he, he got, and this all comes from my dad. My dad liked Depeche Mode. Uh, my dad got both of us into Jean-Michel Jarre. Oh, wow. I, okay. I don't know how familiar you are. Uh, not very. Jean-Michel. <laughs> um, and, but my brother, that really like got it, its hooks in. And my dad had like uh, Equinox and Oxygen and Zulu. He may have had three or four. Because um, he was when he was in Turkey, it was incredibly inexpensive to buy records. And he got a bunch of like rare import sort of things and really nice. built up a, a record collection. Um, and when, my, when it hit with my brother, he went and got, he has a very complete Jean-Michel Jarre library. <laughs> it's it's striking. So because of, because of that, I, I tend to anything that's kind of electronic that's not necessarily like dancey or drum and bass or or whatever. That's Cameron's stuff. Hmm. Um, and I think he did he did end up getting kind of into Depeche Mode for a while as well. But it was when I didn't have very many CDs. It was two of the CDs that I had. Um. I mean, it's 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 a pretty good one to have. I think I I've always liked Depeche Mode, but I I have to confess that I am kind of a best of kind of person when it comes to them. Oh um, yeah, same same here for sure. And uh, I I went on a work trip to Estonia once, and there's actually a Depeche Mode bar in Tallinn that is just that's great. Completely all the decorations Depeche Mode. Um, the only music they play is Depeche Mode. <laughs> there's, a, there's enough Depeche Mode that you can get away with that, which is yeah, wild. totally. Like, yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of thought like a couple of the people I was with were, were Depeche Mode fans. So, oh. and I kind of thought, oh, it's a bit gimmicky. It's going to be fun, but it was actually quite cool. I have to say. <laughs> but it's funny. I was thinking about this song in my head. Uh-huh. The video. I've got completely wrong. I always thought the video for True Faith by New Order was the video for this song. Was with the the king and the wandering in the hills and everything? No, that that's the that's the video for Enjoy the Silence. Oh, you you thought the one that okay. You thought so that tr- was the Depeche Mode video. The other yeah. One. 
Yeah, oh, I don't okay. know. I don't know. Just my my brain's crossed some wires huh. there. What What was the song? I have to. I'll have to look that one up. Uh, True Faith by New Order. It's, okay. it's quite a weird video, but yeah, in my head, whenever I hear "Enjoy the Silence," I visualize that. So something strange has happened there. <laughs> huh. I I see how that ha- that happens. That happens with a lot of stuff. New Order's mm-hmm. one I missed out on. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I mean, the the two, well, arguably the two biggest New Order tracks are ones that I came to through cover songs. Yeah. Obviously, Orgy's Blue Monday, as people our age tended to have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then a band called Frente. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Australian. Uh, they do an acoustic version of Bizarre Love Triangle. Okay. And uh, so, so my friends Dave and, and Mick, we were friends in college. And they loved is it's the most beautiful little song. It's it's tiny. It's like less mm. than two minutes, uh, just guitar and vocal. Very beautiful little song. Uh, and we we were all talking one night, and Mick was like, "Well, let's listen to the the New Order version. Let's put this on." And he genuinely became physically ill at the idea of these '80s synthesizers spending <laughs> you know like two minutes to get to the to the vocal and all this. So. It was it was a very interesting adverse reaction. How bizarre! Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess. I, sorry, go on. Oh no, no, I was <laughs> just kind of going in. I was yeah. just going to say, I guess uh, the other New Order song that most people seem to know is "Temptation" because it was on the Train Spotting soundtrack. That's oh, how sure, I, sure. I I got to know that one. But and then, yeah. I, and I just remember, uh, "Perfect Kiss" is the other one that I. The one that I knew before anything else, actually, because my dad had a uh, never mind. It was called "Never Mind the Mainstream." Best of MTV's 120 Minutes Volume Two. Nice. And that's that's one of the compilations that I I glommed onto as a as a younger guy because um, it's it's a really good compilation. It's how I went a good way into high school with people saying, "Hey, do you know Violent Femmes?" And I'd say, "I just know the one song," and they'd assume it was "Blister in the Sun." Mm. But because of this compilation, it was Gone Daddy Gone. Yes, which I think has featured on a couple of a couple of compilations from you. Oh, could, tapes. could be. Or maybe it's, just one, maybe just one. But yeah, because I'd only ever heard Blister in the Sun. You definitely introduced me to Gone Daddy Gone. Okay, and I know I, I returned to the, the Violent Femmes well a couple of times, looking over some of the later mixes I did that mm-hmm. I still have the, the playlist for. Um and Gone Daddy Gone turned up in a, an interesting spot. Uh, you remember Gnarls Barkley? Yeah, they did a cover, didn't they? I'd, I'd yeah. forgotten about that. I think they put it out as a single, too. I mean, anything after Crazy is in the shadow of Crazy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think I think it had a video and everything. I got into that album. That was a good album. Uh, was was that the... Swear. Did they do that um, Forget You slash F Word You? Was that there? Uh, that was CeeLo solo. That was just uh, CeeLo. Okay, okay. Yeah. And of uh, course, the William Shatner version is far superior. <laughs> oh, I... Of, of Fuck You? Yeah. Or, well, now I'll have to find that one. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's not It's not great, but it's William Shatner, so you have to listen to it. Okay. I, I do genuinely... There, there are a couple of William Shatner songs that I genuinely enjoy. Uh, his cover of common people is my version of common people. 
Like it's, <laughs> it's the one that like I hadn't heard. I'll, I'll be honest. I hadn't heard Pulp's version, the original version. And so that was the first time I'd heard common people was William Shatner and Joe Jackson. Yeah. Uh, that that not, whole album though was, was quite fun. There was some quite good. Yeah. He did like stuff with uh, Ben Folds and Henry Rollins. Yeah, Rollins is on there. Uh, yeah. yeah, Ben Folds produced the the whole thing, and I think that's why it worked uh, so well, is because Ben had like a good idea of how to keep the essence of Shatner without it being comically Shatner. Yeah, which he's, could it could easily go that way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like um, how I think about Dan Aykroyd. And that Dan Aykroyd does his best work when he doesn't get to do everything he wants to do. Because mm. I've I've you know seen enough Ghostbusters special features and 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 stuff to know like to have seen all the stuff that Aykroyd wanted to do. Mm. I'm like I don't think that works. I'm glad they couldn't afford that. I <laughs> I don't think that works. So uh, that's a rabbit hole I've not been down, but uh, I think I would like to. And if I mean, if you really want to see what Aykroyd does when no one says no to him. There's a movie called nothing but trouble where he's just, it seems like he's just got carte blanche. It's he plays this weird decrepit old judge in a small town. This is from 1990. He's got old age prosthetics. Uh, He's got like a really weird nose in one scene. It is a penis, a little penis nose. And the rest of the movie it's not it just kind of looks like it and then just for that one little bit i haven't seen it i i've seen the trailer i've listened to podcasts about it but um that's that's unfettered Aykroyd. yeah that sounds insane yeah i i haven't had the uh the fortitude yet to give it a a real try uh let's get back into the into the mix here Mm. so so not only enjoy the silence comes crashing in into my little world after pool shark and then it and then it goes into mighty mighty boss tons yeah So this is a, a neat little little reggae number from him. Uh, the, the funny thing is, I, I think the flow of the mix, you could, you could have just skipped over Depeche Mode and it would have gone in quite nicely. <laughs> it totally would. Yeah, if you yeah, if you had just gone Pool Shark into Simmerdown, I think that works. Um, and I, I was trying to figure out what the sections were because it is kind of divided up into sections. Mm. We've got that opening acoustic bit, uh, you know, piano and acoustic guitars for the first five tracks. And then mm. um, I was like, then is it all ska and, and punk after that? No, it's not quite. Uh, Cause we've got collective soul and Foo Fighters coming up. That does it. And then it goes acoustic again for a little bit. Mm. Um and I was listening one day and I was like, oh, it's, it's uh boss tones. And then 
uh, a couple of covers, but it's not that many covers in a row. So it's not a section of covers. And then, then it's a, a streak of ska punk, ska and punk, I guess. Yeah. And then it comes right back out of that. Like it doesn't even round. It's frustrating for me. <laughs> Uh, because especially because the one I revisited in 2013, the the 2013 mix that I made, very clearly, there's this is the loud aggressive music section. This is mm. uh, like I think early moments. I, I haven't looked at the playlist, but I did have it divided at side A, side B, side C, side D, yeah. pretty much. I don't know, man. I think you have to go slightly easy on your younger self. Uh, it wasn't, you know. Like yeah. we said, it wasn't the easiest um, process for you to create this. That's right. And I've, I've got 20 years of experience doing it yeah. since then. So, yeah, that's true. And it, But this is a good song. I'm yeah. very pleased with, with this selection. Uh, this also BMG. Yeah. I, I had, uh, there were, because my dad used to DJ school dances. He's got all these <laughs> CDs. Um, back when you needed a fit some physical media in order to, to DJ the dance. Mm -hmm. And so it would have been, I guess, 97 and he had just got, he got a few new CDs. Oh, these are cool new songs. We'll get these. They'll probably want to hear them at the dance. Uh, I got let's face it. Let's face it by the mighty, mighty boss tones. And there might've been a third one. And then, uh, tub thumper by Chumbawamba. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to inherit those pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> that I don't think he got more than further than track three on the Chumbawamba album. Uh, but we can talk more about that later. Yeah, Lucky we'll get to that one. We're going to talk <laughs> so, about yeah. Boston's. I want to talk Chumbawamba for so long, but let's talk Boston's. So I, I got that album and it's brilliant. 28 minutes, 12 songs. Like it was at the time the fastest album I, I had heard. Yeah, you know, short song because I was again listening to Oasis, and that's twelve songs, seventy minutes. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this uh, but this album, this is from an EP called Skakor, The Devil and More. Because I was going through the uh, the BMG catalog, and I was like, it was like cheaper than the other Boston's records. There was something about it where I was like, this is the one that I'll go with. Yeah. And then I got it. I'm like, oh, it's like five songs and then 20 minutes of silence and then a secret track. And it, it gets very hardcore in places. It's mostly covers. Yeah. And so they like a lot of heavy stuff. This is a, a Bob Marley cover. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really the only, oh, oh, oh no, it's got Someday I Suppose on there, which is a banger. Uh, but it's really just those two tracks that have, have survived for me as, as reasons to listen to that record. I think that's fair. I, I remember buying compilations, f you know, based off of one song or one band. And then, you know, sometimes you'd be lucky and there'd be a few great tracks. Yeah. Sometimes it was just that track and the rest were rubbish. But uh, yeah, it was it was always a gamble, wasn't it? Uh, speaking, of, speaking of compilations, last time I was at the, the Orem Public Library, uh, I was looking through their, their music and... Every once in a while, I go around to their anthologies section, mm -hmm. um, and I, I just grab one because they get they have music uh, magazine subscriptions, and so like the the tribute albums or the compilations from Mojo, they've got yeah. those in the music section, and you can check those out. And it's great 
sometimes it's really great. Sometimes it's just obscure, but mm-hmm. it's always interesting. Uh, but they had oh, what my EMI, an EMI sampler called New Noise. I got volume three, and uh, you know I just brought it home, put it in the computer, and I was looking. And I was like, oh, that's got Vex Red. They opened for Bush the time I saw Bush, and Vex my, Red that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, they were. They had a, a little moment in 2002 or mm. 2001. And I was like, that's not someone I expected to show up <laughs> on on anything. My my friend Tamara, she bought the 100 Reasons album. She wasn't even at the Incubus show. She just ended up really enjoying them. She bought that. And at the Bush show, she bought the Vex Red album. So I've got burned copies of those. I was just like, wow, that's a, an unexpected track to, to come across. Yeah. Um. So, so, so this Boston song, this is the first instance of me on this playlist cutting corners and trying to represent two things at once. Okay. Like, I like the Boston's album and I like Bob Marley. And instead of having, you know, Royal Oil or uh, Rascal King or even in a few years later, it would be a few years before I was comfortable admitting that their big hit single, let's... Uh, it's not, let's face it, the impression that I get yeah, is an amazing song that I actually really identify with, but because it was their big hit single, I had to kind of shuffle it back <laughs> in, in esteem for, for a lot of years. Um, you know, the way I do, uh, if we come back to Chumbawamba, that's, I forget Tub Thumping is part of that same album. I know all those all those other songs that like yeah this is great amnesia, uh, drip 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 one by one, oh yeah the big huge hits on there too it starts the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think for for a lot of people, the impression that I get is the song the mighty mighty boss tone song. Oh for sure. Um, yeah, I think it probably was for me. I had Rascal King single I think. Oh that's awesome. Mm. <laughs> um, that's a great song i love i love that whole that whole album solid start to finish yeah but yeah this this is a, a great cover it's uh you know it's it's pretty straightforward you know does what it says on the tin for sure and i think because i i looked up the the lyrics and the i haven't actually at this point still haven't heard the bob marley simmer down uh, it's but, a really early one yeah like, when it, it's got that of... real like early skanking sort of yeah sort of feel um e- even on the Boston's one it's kind of got that you can kind of hear that early mm. feel but the way the lyrics are kind of adjusted and everything like it feels very it's got the Boston's vibe to it um and maybe it's just hearing whatever Dickie Barrett says in that Dickie Barrett voice is going to sound like that to me, but you know, uh, songs, uh, lyrics about I'm too angry right now. I need to take a moment. Uh, and just the line, yeah, sure. He'll be missed kind mm-hmm. of sums up so much <laughs> mighty, mighty Boston's music. Uh, and this is coming from a guy who knows this EP, the big hit album. And then the one after that, but yeah. take it from me, a guy who's heard those three records, that one line, it, it really, it really encapsulates a lot of their like folksy in, Boston vibe. In, in what way? Like, 
extrapolate on that. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, and yeah, sure, he'll be missed. There's a lot of songs that that are kind of narrating about like a guy they they know or they came across, and this is what that guy's doing and what he's like. It reminds me of on uh, Pay Attention, the the album after. Let's face it. Um, there's a song called "The Day He Didn't Die," hmm. which is about was it the day he didn't die or uh, I might have the, t- the wrong title, but it's a song about a guy who comes around the bar um, and he's telling tall tales. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, he was there the day that Brandon Ian died. He also claims to train to kid named Cassius Clay. He cost Goldwater the election on election day, all this sort of like, Oh yeah, this is what this guy's like. Yeah. Um, and it on, let's face it. There's one called, uh, he didn't hit me for or hit me up because he was cold. Uh, sad, so sad to say uh, about Dickie getting mugged. Right. Um, okay. And it's just kind of about the guy who did it and what it's didn't seem like he needed the money. If that was yeah. it, then that's fine. Uh, uh, so quite autobiographical. Hate, yeah. yeah. Uh, autobiographical or just biographical. Just telling the stories of somebody, sure, somebody yeah. that, that came around. So that's that's kind of the vibe that I get just off that one lyric. I'm like, they do that a lot, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a charming little little uh, little thing about the Boston. The other thing I like about the Boston's, the, the this is probably a lot of bands, but they're the first band I'd heard of. Who, what uh, I guess this is topical, coming this close uh, to the Astro World uh, disaster there, mm. that they would stop the show if things were getting bad in the pit and they'd say hey yeah. hey let that kid up or you know leave her alone and stuff like that like they were real on top of that sort of thing mm-hmm. and that's the first time i'd heard of a band who, who would do that is before i was going to shows even yeah. but to know that they're conscious enough of the the show going on around them off the stage yeah that's really great i really respect that but i, I have to say like this whole astro world horrible incident it, it kind of made me think i i'm not sure i can think of a band that i've been to see where they've not stopped if the crowd's got like completely over the top you know yeah um i don't know it just seems incredibly incredibly irresponsible that that happened and i'm sure we'll find out more details yeah and uh SZA, who was i think she she was at astro world she was at a, a she was doing a show in salt lake and had to stop like somebody had passed out in the crowd and mm-hmm. she's like hold on hold on hold on and she stopped the show um just and and that made the news because she was at that one and right and so that was after yeah that was that yeah. was just last week or so mm. yeah, yeah it can be scary being being in a crowd and you know this whole thing just shows you it can go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. And, and really makes you appreciate the artists who have the sense of presence, like who, mm. who really know, which it, I mean, and that's, that's going to give you a better show regardless of so, if something goes bad, if they're, if everybody there on stage and off is part of that same sort of flow. Yeah. Totally. That feeling all around. Yeah, it's just kind of being in tune with with the crowd, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember seeing um, the Foo Fighters at Reading Festival one year, 
and it was quite a long time ago so that the barriers they had at the front were they, they don't really use them at shows anymore because they're rubbish the kind yeah. of metal ones that tip over quite easily um so it was probably before the uh Rockskilda, Rockskilda in in uh Denmark, the the Pearl Jam show, mm. where I think like six people got got trampled. Oh wow! I'm not. I, d- I don't know that I know about that. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how I heard about it. I know I've got a couple Pearl Jam bootlegs, and and he may have mentioned it, but it just might have been just Eddie Vedder lore floating around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that was really scary because I was I was right down the front, and you know everyone was getting very excited. It was a Foo Fighters, yeah. and crowd surged forward and kind of collapsed under itself. And the barriers tipped over and Dave Grohl was just like, we're going to stop playing. We just stop until everyone is up and everyone is okay. Like, That's how it should be. Yeah. And, and again, that seems very Dave Grohl from the, the videos I've seen. Like totally. He's, yeah. He seems I mean, like a not, great not guy. That, exactly. I was going to say, not, not that my love and respect for him was ever in doubt, but that experience yeah. definitely made me respect him more. For sure. All right, let's yeah, let's kick on. Let's kick on to the next one. Let's keep rolling. This is this is the most possibly the most teenage thing on this playlist. It, (laughs) uh, yeah. Play. Not just the most teenage thing, but the most '90s thing. Yeah, that yeah. whole '90s slacker, self-loathing. That was that was the jam. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm biased because I, you know, I used to love The Offspring, but that song is still an absolute banger. It's the For baseline, sure. the just everything about it. So the good. the opening. Yeah, that, that's yeah again like that that's the ethos right there from the from the jump Mm. absolutely um what's what's funny about choosing this song is it's totally for the the vibe and and the message and the the whole low self-esteem push that the music was doing music culture like this isn't my favorite song from that album even mm. but i it, it goes on there essentially to kind of prove that oh i watched daria i'm i'm hip yeah. i know <laughs> i know what's going on uh and it's so 
in retrospect, just think, thinking about uh, the actual relationships I had been in, that's hilarious. I, okay. I, I haven't, haven't even been in at that point uh, anything that could get to that. Yeah. level of, of uh, disrespect and, and, and everything. So, but, but it's, again, it's like, funny, isn't it? Cause we, in terms of like the assignment of creating a, um, a mixtape that kind of represents you, it's like, oh. how do you look at it? Is it, is it that you're literally saying these lyrics are, you know, they resonate with me or is it just, this is a great tune that I love. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, um, I don't. I don't think when I listened to it that I saw a track called "Self Esteem" and I thought, "Oh no, David's <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> He's struggling." For sure. It. And it. I mean, like with Pool Shark, it's storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and I mean, really listening to it, you don't pause and think, "Oh, Dexter's in trouble. He needs yeah. to." It's just a song in the first person. That's that's about that. Yeah. Um, but that smash is such a good album. Yeah. I, I still really only think of the offspring as having two albums and everything else is kind of a bonus. It's, it's just smash and Ixnay for me. Okay. Um, so much that when I saw them at a big ass show, I can't even guess what year it was 2011. Let's say, uh, at the big ass show, they were headlining and they played, a uh, pretty fly for a white guy. Hmm. And I was like, they wrote that. Yeah. Of course they're going to play it. Yeah. They, they weren't too cool in punk rock for their own song. That's, they thought it was fun. They like it. They know people like it. They know not everyone thinks they're too cool for it. Of course <laughs> they're going to play pretty fly for a white guy and uh, get a job. Why don't you get a job? Is no, no, that, that I was, was never too cool for that one. Yeah, but that was from, um, oh, what was the album? That Little was Americana. Of... Americana, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. same as Pretty Fly and Kids Aren't Alright. Wasn't um, Pretty Fly from the next album? No, oh, Original Prankster was the one on the next album, okay. which is kind of a similar thing. Mm. It's, it's kind of a sequel uh, of sorts. It it doesn't hold up near as well, I think. Mm. Um, no, I I saw them tour when that Conspiracy of One came out. But that, yeah, that's the album. I can't really remember many tracks from that album. Like you say, it's it's really Smash, Ixnay on the Hombre, bit of Americana, bit of Americana, and a bit of uh, not ignition. ignition. I actually haven't heard Ignition, but the self titled one. Okay. I, I had a friend who had that, so I got to borrow that one. I might have a couple songs on the tape somewhere. Mm. Um, that yeah, the first album's pretty good. It's got Tehran on it, um, which I think they they later kind of adjusted for a different Middle East political conflict. Mm. Um, as unfortunately, you kind of get to do every few years. Yeah. But, Sad uh, reality. It was interesting actually. I was doing some um, thing was going around on Twitter the other day about. Um, the gigs that you've been to, which was your favorite, which was your least favorite, um, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw um, you, you utilized the, the, the show's Twitter for that. I appreciate it. I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, first time. Um, but I was trying to figure out which artist I've seen the most in my life. 
And yeah, I think it's either David Bowie, The Offspring, or maybe Steps. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see, honestly, all three, I didn't think you'd seen Bowie that many times. Hmm. And then The Offspring and Steps, I did not... Yeah, I did not expect. I mean, uh, steps was there. completely accidental. It just, I just kept accidentally seeing them That's... everywhere. <laughs> uh, like what? What sort of? What sort of show was was uh, steps accidentally there? So I guess uh, they were there on purpose. You were there. Yeah, without yeah. them as an intention. Um, my best friend when I was about fourteen uh, was gay, so we used to go to Gay together, which is a gay club in London. Okay. Um, and yeah, there was just a period that Steps played there a few times, cool. um, and they had like an album launch there and stuff. And then another That's... friend of mine, um, her dad was the head chef at ITV, so we used to get to go and see um, TV shows being recorded sometimes. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and and yeah, one of them that we went to go and see had Steps involved in it it was some weird thing with donny osmond i can't even remember what it was now but that's great yeah i just i don't think of steps as the sort of band you accident like you're accidentally at a club i just i guess i had kind of grouped all groups of that type that sort of uh i I figured they're too sheltered for that for just being in a club they've got a real regimented appearance thing but i guess you you do have to come up from somewhere they, I think they must have had someone very clever on their their marketing side. They were like, "Yes, the gay crowd are going to love you," <laughs> um, and they were right. That's 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 really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and yeah, I can, I can sit and beat myself up, pick like three other songs off that same off of Smash that could have been in there, but I, I kind of like in 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 my more calm moments about it. I, I like having self esteem in there. It's if I'm honest with myself, it should be. That was the song yeah. that had the vibe that I was going for with that song. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you you avoided doing the big song for Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, so it's it's more than acceptable to have yeah. self-esteem. And, and now that I think about it, it's not even the big song off of Smash. I forget about Come Out and Play being a huge... Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you were thinking, oh yeah, Nitro, Youth Energy, and uh, Genocide. Could have easily been Genocide, because I love a song that counts off to the end of the song. Right. It gives the one, two, three, four, and fades out. That's awesome. That's a great little thing. But Yeah, no, Come Out and Play was like the huge crowd pleaser. For sure, um, yeah. I mean, and that, that guitar riff, you can't fight that. No one else had, had really brought out that that slightly Middle Eastern thing yeah. for their their punk rock pop punk sort of sort of thing that was yeah also a great choice but not not the one that that hit with me <laughs> so okay so now this in in my musical chronology this next song here and we'll talk see if we can talk up to the post mm. this goes very far back um I think the, the job this song does on the album is it tells you that I listened to Magic 93.1 in Idaho between 1995 and 2000. Right. Because uh, I forget that I liked Collective Soul, honestly. As a conscience show, 
as the sweet breeze blows As the kindness comes Hope still lingers on I treat myself a new boundary Send alone in New York City And I don't know But I do remember it being a, like, not really, I still don't really know what he's getting at there, but I know it's mm -hmm. quite emotional. Yeah. And that hit me. The The strings, I think, is what, a lot of what did it for me. Yeah, I, I don't really know this band, but it's kind of giving me, like, Matchbox 20 vibes or something. Like. Oh, sure, yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah, Collective Soul's a, an interesting one. I, I can definitely see how they, they may not have hit internationally. Um, they had a, a couple couple pretty big radio songs here. Uh, that was their, their sweet ballad that they had. And then Shine and December and Gel are all big guitar numbers. Mm. But they kind of get relegated, I think, a lot of times because they're not... Like in hindsight, the way we've got our genres solidified in the past, mm. but we know what you know alternative is, and under that umbrella, we know how grunge went. And Collective Soul wasn't really that; mm. they were just a rock band um, in the alternative era. So they had some of the, the 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 trappings of it. I've got friends who really did connect with. Uh, I think it was the album before this one. This was their self titled, and there's hints allegations and things left unsaid is the album before this hmm. um but it's it's really just a, a a pretty pretty song it's got wonderful strings i think there was a dance remix that was a moderate hit oh right can't imagine that um, from that from that brief burst the yeah it's kind of the way um heaven by brian adams i think that was a cover not just a, a remix but hmm. You know, baby, you're all that I want. When yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that became uh, someone had a big dance hit with it. Um, yeah, it, it just yeah. fit that fit the beat underneath. Yeah, hints, allegations, and things left unsaid. Um, it's it's one that kind of drifted past me, but my friends who got that album when they were twelve or thirteen were like, "Yeah, this is this is speaking to me. This is the the sort of sensitive rock music that I need to hear right now." Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, once again, I have to uh, throw in a disclaimer that I do not represent the whole of the UK, and I'm sure there are yes. many Collective Soul fans in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I'm sure they've toured. I'm sure they've yeah, toured successfully. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, in hindsight, the song's not that meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, especially in a, a compilation where disc the second disc has Wonderwall, mm. which kind of does the same thing a little better, you know, sweet little ballad, beautiful string arrangement. Yeah. Um, although I, I guess Wonderwall is not necessarily sweet so much as it is simply slow <laughs> and, and, and soft. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I've kind of relegated Wonderwall to just like, 
it's what drunk people sing at karaoke. <laughs> um, you know, it's like I live opposite a pub that has live bands on Fridays and Saturdays most weeks. And, okay. you know, I can put money on one of those days. Someone's playing Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's part of how I've been so able to enjoy Oasis as much as I have. Mm. Um, it's one of those things that kind of hit me watching that Britpop episode of This Is Pop. Mm. Is, oh, I don't have to deal with real Oasis fans. They seem <laughs> yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. In the same way, the Gallaghers seem terrible. Like, mm. it, it's, they were honestly one of the first bands where I, I, I was thinking, I was like, I don't want to hang out with these guys. Yeah. I love their music. I don't think I have any reason to be I- anything to do with them. That, as, that's quite a, a mature perspective. I think uh, when I was younger, I, you know, I wanted to be able to idolize all the bands that I liked. Yeah. Um, and I, I had tried. Like I, I, I went through the trouble. I, I memorized the names of the three other guys in the band, plus the first drummer. Like I, I knew the band I wanted to be. And it just, the more I sat with them, I was like, I, not really, not really <laughs> these guys. Uh, but that's uh, good. Yeah. So yeah, the, the collective souls, although oh, the other thing, the collective soul might represent is around this same time. Um, this is my first ever minor, minor, minor brush with any sort of fame. Uh, around this time, my friend Spencer and one of his friends had, made two CDs based on stuff they used to hear on the radio before they moved to England. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, As I Lay Me Down by Sophie B. Hawkins. It's, uh, gosh, what else is on there? Uh, I think Jewel is in there. Yeah. And possibly Matchbox 20, maybe Santa Monica by uh, Everclear. Uh, yeah, just they all feel was, of, a, of a time, kind of, yeah. I'd bunch those together. Yeah, so it was two big nostalgia blasts for teens. Obviously, I love teenage nostalgia. It's a, a, a time period where, if, if I think about now, the difference between when As I Lay Me Down by Sophie B. Hawkins came out and when it was popular on the CD in my high school in 2002 as a nostalgia thing, mm. music from that long ago now I think is very current. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> songs from 2014. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a pop hit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and listener, obviously you can tell, I, I don't keep up with the, the Kanye catalog. It's, <laughs> it's just something like he keeps putting out music and so many people are like, I have this opinion about the life of Pablo and this opinion about Jesus is King. And I'm like, Oh, those all have come out in the last five years or whatever. Mm. That's a tangent I didn't need to go on. Anyway, the <laughs> CD. Um, so Spencer let me borrow that, and I was like, I want my own copy of it. The, the I think he called he called it the radio. If he didn't, mm. I definitely would have. But I think he did that first. Uh, so radio and radio volume two, and I made copies of it. And I made a slight adjustment, like I snuck in a. Alanis Morissette song and I think I cut something that felt too current to me (laughs) it was Um, it was out of the theme (laughs) yeah and and one day uh 
my, my AP uh, advanced placement government class, um, the way, the way the class went, they, uh, we got through the material pretty quick mm. and then just got to kind of hang out for about 20 minutes at the end of class. And nice. so it was, it was that sort of time period one day I, I had these discs with me and, and Mr. T, um, was what we, his, his last name was Trantham. We called him Mr. T. Okay. Uh, he had a, a stereo in there and he would, it's like, you guys are reasonable. You're not going to get people in trouble. You put, put on some music. It's fine. Uh, and so I put this CD on and one of the songs that was on there is how bizarre by OMC. Yeah. And Mr. T was like, wait, seriously, I've been looking for a copy of this song for, for ages. I was like, cool, Mr. T, I will make you a copy of this. And then it oh. started going around the school and I had put my little Goathead Enterprises logo on there hmm. um, as, I guess, a distributor. Um, <laughs> and so then I, I, so that was my senior year. I go away to college. I come back, I'm visiting some friends back at the high school. And this kid, I don't know, is like, hey, you, did you do the, the Goathead Enterprises? Was that you? And so... That's my tiny little brush with, with being a famous person in a certain circle. Aww. And and that might be why the world I know is on there is because it, it floated over from the radio. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I take <laughs> I, it back. I don't the think song I've... slaps at 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> oh. uh, so what does that go into? What have we got? Hmm. Okay. So we, yeah, we've done four. Uh, let's do a fifth. I think we can call it a session uh, mm -hmm. after five because we, we started, we did five. Uh, we'll try to hit another five on Sunday. Seems Ooh. like a goal. Yeah. Oh, can you not do Sunday? <laughs> I can't or... do Sunday this week. I'm going to the. I'm going to go see June at last. Um, okay. But I. Oh yeah, you're working, aren't you? Yeah. But we can figure that out off. Yeah. Off mic. <laughs> Anyhow. Yes. Okay. So good to know. I can sleep in on Sunday. Uh, all right. So yeah, let's, let's kick off this last one uh, for now. Uh, it's Foo Fighters. Speaking of. It's big and loud. Yeah. It's real fun. Um, I love that kind of full, not full start, but the kind of uh, halftime slow down. switch up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And listening with the, with the headphones just now, I never noticed how cool that bass line is during the slow bit. Hmm. It's, um, yeah, it's really cool. It just kind of uh, carries it really nicely. 
and obviously in a very subtle way that I had never really noticed uh, before. Now, this this track, uh, Up in Arms, represents a genre of song that was very important to me in the first, I don't know, for most of the first decade of the 2000s, hmm. uh, which is... Uh, I, I I guess I miss you songs. You're there. I'm here. Yeah. Um, and my friend uh, Kendall and I uh, were we wrote letters like all the time, and would make each other tapes as well. Uh, in fact, it was her tape. Um, it was she had Smash on one side and Nevermind on the other, um, and I had got that tape from from her. Uh, and when I first moved, actually, one of the, the tapes that I spent a lot of time with uh, in my Walkman is one that she had made for me that was uh, Ixnay on the Ombre, mm. um, the self-titled Suicide Machines album, and uh, Punk, uh, yeah, Punk and Drublick by NoFX. Nice. And that was that was that was a great tape. That that spent a lot of time in rotation. So so there were starting from there. There were all these uh, notices, like like okay, well that's a song about you're there, I'm here. Mm. And the the thing about that, especially with me and Kendall, is there was never a, a romantic aspect to it, but there always is in these songs. Yeah. And so I was like, well, we'll just kind of extract that and and she'll get it so the 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 worst offense um i committed in that genre putting it on mixtapes is the weezer song across the sea uh which if you just hear the chorus is perfect why are you so far away from me i need help in your way across the sea perfect if you cut out all the stuff about it's a fan letter from an 18 year old girl in japan I don't have that relationship with anybody. So, so that part doesn't, and yeah, but, but that's, that's kind of the genre. Plus I, like you said, the turnaround, the switch up. So cool. Yeah. And, uh, that Foo Fighters album, once again, BMG. Yeah. And it was at a time when there was only one Foo Fighters album that I said, oh, this isn't as good as the color and the shape. Mm. that was the beginning of me not paying attention to Foo Fighters new releases. Yeah. As I love Dave Grohl. I I respect him. I think they're a good enough band. It's just, I've got the color and the shape, man. I've got the self-titled if I, if I need to go backwards, but I've got the color and the shape and that's all the Foo Fighters I genuinely need. Yeah. I, I have a couple of friends who are massive Foo Fighters fans who would be very disappointed to hear me say this, but I'm I'm with you, man. Like, yeah, self-titled and color in the shape. All my favorite songs. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a couple of hits from from subsequent albums, but mm-hmm. yeah, learn to fly. Yeah. yeah, learn to fly is great. It's a wonderful video, but it's you know, feet of clay, not feet of clay. Even it's it's good, but mm. I don't know that nothing has hooked me the way my hero or monkey wrench or uh, everlong yeah or february stars or uh hey johnny park yeah 
Walking After You was a big favorite oh, yeah. for a long time. That's um, a pretty one, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, my sister got me that on vinyl actually, the the single. Oh, that's co- Oh, that's really cool, yeah. Not that I have a record player anymore. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I weirdly I was um I don't know what what rabbit hole I was going down, but um I was watching Super Bowl halftime shows earlier. Okay. Just as a thing to do. And I was watching the Prince sure. one, of course. Of course. And I'd completely forgotten that he does that little best of you cover. Because, yeah, because the Foo Fighters had covered Darling Nikki. Yeah, yeah. Which is that's hard to find now. I've I've got I think I've got it still on, on my computer, but it's hard to find Foo Fighters doing Darling Nikki anymore. Oh, I feel like I might have that somewhere. Cause I, I can I can hear it in my head. I've you know. Yeah. They've done but, some really uh, good covers, actually. They did a really good cover of, um, oh, come on, Brain, Wings, I think. What's the Wings song that oh, everyone knows? Uh, Band on the Run. Uh, yeah, yeah, Band on the Run. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. Yeah. And they and they do so much cool stuff live. Like, they brought Rick Astley out to do Never Gonna <laughs> yeah. Give You Up and, uh, you know, having audience members come up and play guitar with them and all kinds of just really, really cool, really fun stuff. Yeah. So it's it's great for a band that I essentially have dismissed. I have a lot of love for them. I think, yeah, yeah I just never am really looking forward to a new release. Although I should listen to that Bee Gees album they did. What? I know yeah. nothing about this. Yeah, this is just a, a few months ago. Um, the Dee Gees, like Dave Grohl, they did a, a whole... Uh, it might not even be a whole record of BG's covers, but let's see what I can find real quick. Uh, Foo Fighters. DG's. I mean, it, it feels very in character. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. Let's see. So, yeah, so it's uh, DG's Hail Satin is the title of the record. Um, let's see what Pitchfork says here. Uh, Dave Grohl's six piece finds common cause between gaudy disco pop and willfully absurd arena rock on an album length collection of Bee Gees covers and live in studio medicine at midnight cuts. So I think it's one side of Bee Gees stuff and then one side of, uh, their own stuff. Mm. But, uh, yeah. And I, I, I think I've heard a little of it. Uh, it's gotta be better than Ozzy Osbourne's, uh, staying alive. Ozzy Osbourne and Dweezil Zappa. I mean, I, I, I'm just shaking my head in, in, I'm a lost, lost for words. I've not heard that. I don't know that I want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got it. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a fun little off-center cover. It didn't hit. But the, mm-hmm. but yeah, Foo Fighters, man, they're, they're fun. They're yeah. willfully silly. And, and then every once in a while you remember how much a part of rock and roll history Dave Grohl is outside of this band he's been the front of for 25 years yeah yeah i just they're, they're just kind of wholesome aren't they yeah um they're, they're just yeah, nice they're a nice band they, they are they're, there's not that darkness that like stone temple pilots has floating around them hmm. or uh or any like oh dave got a, a dr- an offer right after oh he got an offer to join tom petty and the heartbreakers Wow! Uh, after they had fired um, 
there yeah uh some someone was talking about this uh i think it was on the radio uh they had they were going back and watching musical performances on uh from snl hmm. and there's a tom petty performance from 94 and he's like wait is that is that dave grohl playing drums and it was dave grohl playing drums they had just uh, the heartbreakers just fired their drummer and were like hey do you want to do this he's like no i think i'm gonna do this other band that i'm doing i'm gonna give <laughs> I want to make sure the Foo Fighters get kind of a chance, That's which is so, so cool. funny. Yeah. But he, he does kind of, I mean, I, I don't know that much about him, to be honest, but he does seem to get involved with a lot of other groups like uh, Tenacious D and yeah, Caius. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember him being somehow associated with the song No One Knows. I think I assumed for a long time he was an actual member of uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. Um, yeah, he he drummed on a Nine Inch Nails record. Yeah, I think he was there for the whole album. Oh wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, it was at Hesitation Marks. I think he's on at least one song. But he might have been there for the whole. I think he's drummed for Ghost. Because uh, and wow. he's and I love that he's showing up on all these other projects as a drummer. Yeah. Which hasn't been his main gig in like twenty five years, but but he's he's good, man. And hey, let's not forget the uh, the viral sensation that is that happened over lockdown of him and that that kid, Nandy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're so fun. That's yeah, stuff like that, and like he broke his leg, so he had a big throne made so he could keep playing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. See, now, Dave Grohl, I feel like I could hang out with Dave Grohl. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, obviously in real life, I would be horribly uh, shy and awkward. But um, yeah, but I'm theoretically. But, yeah, but I'm sure he's also incredibly accustomed to people getting that way. And he seems like he's good at getting around that. Like, yeah, I, I haven't watched. He, he did this series with his mom where he goes and uh and i think his mom ended up writing a a book that's kind of the same sort of thing but meeting with other rock stars moms the first episode it's tom morello and tom morello's mom that's so cool who was a huge activist for and i guess oh yeah tom morello it makes sense but she was really involved in a lot of stuff it's it's i haven't watched the honestly i haven't watched the whole first episode but Mm. the first you know 10 minutes it's really cool you learn a lot about the household Tom Morello grew up in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, I, kn- I know nothing about his background and stuff, but I know that he studied like political science at Harvard or something, something crazy Sounds like right, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that all kind of fits together, doesn't it? And they, they talked to Getty Lee's mom, uh, Getty cool. Lee from Rush. And we yeah. learn Getty. Do you know Getty Lee's first name? No, it's Gary. Okay. But his mom is a, a I think, not not even like the the child of polish immigrants i think she came from poland to canada mm-hmm. and her accent it sounded like getty and That's amazing. all his friends started calling him getty and so now what 50 years later he's still yeah. getty it just makes me think of the la savvy fav song no pavement song what was pavement. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say, oh, there's also the pavement song and no, just no. just the pavement song. Yeah, I I can't not think of that song. Yeah, uh, thinking about Getty Lee. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's a that's a good good little 
little episode. I think this we're at about an hour. I think this will stand on its own, yeah. covering five songs. Oh God, yeah. Honestly, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind it because we could also do two and a half hour episodes and get through the whole thing. But I, who yeah. who has that kind of time? No one's going to. I, I do, to that. but I don't. <laughs> I don't want to put that kind of time commitment on anybody. So that's, that's why, uh, listener, uh, we're about to put out the second episode as we're recording this. And that's why the second episode is just the newlywed game segment because the next, uh, mixtape segment went so long. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. And I guess if we're calling that a full, a full app, uh, we ought to do a, a sign off. Mm. Uh, oh, and I, again, still haven't found the notebook with all the, the ones I written down. And for some reason, haven't started another list. <laughs> but uh let's let's go again old school we did uh wtf recently uh, let's do uh the nerdist podcast every once in a while when someone's doing a squarespace ad i still in my head squarespace.com slash nerdist even though it's been i don't know five seven years since that's been a thing uh, anyway enjoy your burrito everyone <laughs>